Arizona's Desert Diaries. Hello, Arizona calling. How the devil are you? I would love to start our little chat this week with some advice, okay, from me to you. If you have, just for example, 31 tonnes of gravel delivered to your house to replace all the turf that used to live there with a kind of deserty landscape, do make sure you've double-checked the date with the man who said he'd come and help out because when the gravel delivery guy dumps it all on the side of the road and you need to make sure it's off the pavement and onto your garden so no one trips over and hurts themselves, if you don't have any help, you're going to die. <laughs> Quite a specific bit of advice, I know, but ah, it's currently 41 degrees outside or 106 in old money. And who knew shoveling gravel or rock, as they call it here, landscaping rock into a wheelbarrow and dumping it onto your garden when you feel like you're about to burst into flames. It's quite hard to put it mildly. <laughs> I can basically manage 10 shovelfuls per wheelbarrow, which I then have to wheel up the driveway and onto the garden. And then I can manage five wheelbarrow trips like that up the garden before I keel over and need to lie on the tile floor in the lounge for an hour. Man, it is hard work. I resorted to putting ice inside the baseball cap I was wearing, hoping that as it melted and trickled down my neck, I'd get some relief. I did. For about 45 seconds until it all melted and I felt like I was going to die again. I really didn't need to go to Pilates today as well, did I? <laughs> Just breathing outside in this heat feels like a 20-minute aerobic workout. <gasps> Maybe I should start a new weight loss craze. The Arizona workout. Simply stand outside for 10 minutes in July. That's all you need to do. Just breathe. Good luck. Oof. Don't eat the five gallons of ice cream to cool down like I do. That's probably a bit counterproductive when it comes to the whole weight loss thing. But hey, really love ice cream. Anyway, only 30 and a half tonnes to go. Woohoo! I really hope he turns up tomorrow. I had some more adventures in language this week. First out when I went to my local DIY store to buy a wheelbarrow. Glamorous. That gravel's not going to get itself onto the garden, unfortunately. Hello, I said as I walked in. Can you tell me where to find the wheelbarrows, please? Wildflowers? <laughs> Replied the woman on the door. Wild flowers. Instantly, I thought, oh no, I've done it again. They clearly don't call wheelbarrows wheelbarrows in America. So I got fantastically descriptive. No, I said, not wildflowers. The thing that you push around when you want to move stuff around in your garden. Like 31 tons of gravel, for example. Oh, she said, a wheelbarrow. <laughs> That's the one, <laughs> I said. Australian? She asked as I walked away. You got it, I replied as I went off to find my wildflower wheelbarrow. Earlier in the week, I went to get a takeaway pizza. And as I ordered at the counter, I said, oh, do you sell beer? Excuse me? Beer. Do you sell beer? What's that now? Beer. Beer to drink. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I then noticed that the man serving was Latino. So I thought, oh, I remember a tiny amount of GCSE Spanish. Cerveza, I said. Do you sell cerveza? Beer, cerveza. Oh, I'm so sorry, he said. You mean beer, 
<laughs> I was like, what have I just been saying? Oh, no, we don't, he said. I'm still surprised at how often I struggle to be understood in a country that does speak the same language. The number of times I've had to ask for water if I've been in a cafe or a diner because people have not understood me when I've asked for water. It's just funny, eh? I always wondered if I'd ever get one of those mid-Atlantic drawls by moving here and there are definitely times that I hear myself saying certain words in a different way. I mean, it makes sense to use phrases like intersection instead of crossroads or parking lot because of car park because people just don't understand you a lot of the time if you don't use the local words and phrases. But even when words are the same, they're often said differently, like process instead of process or schedule instead of schedule. And I catch myself now saying process or schedule and saying them in that way does feel really strange as they're coming out of my mouth. Alien. But of course, no one I'm talking to bats an eyelid. I've been thinking this week too about reputation and particularly the reputation that people of one country have in another. Just this week, I've spoken to two American people who were very forthcoming in telling me how much they love British people because we're so genteel, we're so refined, so well-mannered. One man who served me in a shop called Old Navy this week, it's kind of a cross between Primark and The Gap, told me that just because of the way I spoke, I sounded, and this is a direct quote, like some kind of genius. <laughs> I love that. Now, with somewhat of an obsession with the royal family in some parts of this country, among some parts of the population, you can understand why, you know, there are some people here in the States who might think this way about British people that, well, you know, we're a bit posh, we're a bit clever, we're a bit classy, we're a bit genteel and all the rest of it. But then I think about how some individuals in a lot of European countries must think about British people in a completely different way. Do you think the bar owners in Magaluf or all the hotels that welcome certain English football fans have a similar view of the British as bowler hat wearing toffs? Of course not. And much like neither of those stereotypes of the genteel Englishman or the Lagerlau are indicative of more than just a tiny part of the population, that's something really to bear in mind, isn't it, when you consider how a lot of people in other countries view Americans. Now, as I've banged on so many times on this podcast, America really is 50 countries in one union. Oregon is so different to Arizona. Florida miles away from New York, not just geographically, but in pretty much every way you can imagine. But of course, even within those states, there are all different types of people. Some shy, some outgoing, some Republican, some Democrat, some educated and some not so educated, of course. Since I've moved here, I've had a couple of listeners get in touch and say, oh, Americans, they're so brash, aren't they? They're so loud, so arrogant. And I mean, is that stereotype any fairer than that of the British as a binge drinking yobs who get into fights in Greek nightclubs? No. I mean, I'm sure those people do exist, but I haven't met a single one since I've lived here. There's such a cultural difference between us as countries as well. And I think often as Brits, we can misinterpret directness for rudeness. And Americans are generally pretty direct. They don't dance around a question, they just ask it. 
I mean, when I first moved here, if I went into a diner, I'd say something like, oh, uh, excuse me, please can I possibly bother you for a glass of water? That's great. Thank you so much. That's, that's wonderful. Thanks. Yes, just a glass of water. Thank you so much. And a lot of Americans I know would simply say, can I get a water? That's it. Five words. Simple. Direct. Why waste all those extra words someone once asked me? But I was brought up always to say please and thank you, I say. It's in my very British blood. I remember being on holiday in Mexico years ago and commenting to a waiter there, does it not rile you that a lot of the Americans here don't really say please or thank you when they ask for stuff? And this man looked me straight in the eye and said, but ma'am, Americans tip. <laughs> Touche. I'll see you in the desert.